Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This series of messages on the book of Zechariah were recorded in Malaysia a number of years ago. Be sure to get a copy of Kevin's newly released commentaries on the book of Isaiah, the book of Jeremiah and Lamentations, the book of Ezekiel, and the Minor Prophets. Available in paperback and ebook formats from Amazon.com and as immediate PDF downloads from kevinconnor.org forward slash shop. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Everybody ready for our last day? Yes. All right, now you're all comfortably seated. I'd like you to stand and let's uh, make our confession of faith one more time here for our, our final day together. All right, so you got your Bible in your hands, so let's make our confession. How many think it's a good confession of faith? Amen. All right, this is my Bible. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the Word of God. Today I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. Again. I will never be the same again. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. 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 I think that's a good confession. <laughs> Your mind is not so alert that somebody said. I understand. Alright, let's uh, turn in our notes now as we uh, continue on, uh, on Zachariah. How many of you find Zacharias a little bit easier than Daniel? Yeah. Okay, so let's turn to uh, just page three on your notes on Zacharias, just, uh, just to draw your attention to where we're going this morning. All right, so page, Zach- uh, page, Zacharias. page, page uh, three of Zacharias. So on that uh, page we've got the outline, Book of Messianic Visions. So uh, yesterday we mainly spent our time on 12 visions, uh, right through on the ride of the horse, the four horns, four carpenters, uh, the measuring of the city, vision of Joshua the high priest, uh, the man whose name is the branch, uh, the vision of the stone with seven eyes, golden lampstand, golden bowl with the oil, two olive trees, the flying scroll, a uh, woman named Wickedness, and the horses and chariots. And um, you might like to make just one little note of this. Throughout the visions, most of the time, not all the time, most of the time you have this expression, um, i just make a note of it this morning, myself even, uh, you have uh, this expression, I lifted up my eyes, I lifted up my eyes, or raised up my eyes, I lifted up my eyes, and that's used most of the time because it's concerning the vision, it's something he sees, I lifted up my eyes and I saw. Raise up my eyes and I see. He said, what do you see? So because it's visions, most of the language is there. But from now on, most of the language, not every case, but most of the language now goes to this expression, and the word of the Lord came. And the word of the Lord came, and the word of the Lord came, and the word of the Lord came. So predominantly in chapters 1 through to 6, uh, you've got, I lifted up my eyes, depending on your translation, or I raise up my eyes. And it particularly has to do with the vision, uh, visions, but from now on, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, it's the word of the Lord came, the word of the Lord came. So that's sort of the distinction there. 
Now, we want to finish a little bit more on the last few verses of uh, chapter 6 because it concerns Joshua again, uh, Joshua the high priest, and then we move into chapter 7 and 8. So, last part of chapter 6 and then 7 and 8, and you'll see we have four messages here on fasts or feasts, and uh, God wants obedience. Okay, so now let's turn over to page... Um, Page 13, I think it is. Uh, yeah, page 12. Yeah, page 12. Thank you. Okay, now, I know it's difficult for you to sort of hold your Bible and, um, and uh, fill in your notes at the same time, but let's try. So let's turn over to Zechariah chapter 6. Zechariah chapter 6. And uh, we'll pick up on the last part of chapter 6 and then flow on into 7 and 8 in our first session here. Alright, now I'm going to put on the overhead here and work through this. Uh, I thought this is the best way we could handle this. We've, uh, in, the, in the book of uh, Zechariah, we have two, two particular passages that are given over to, uh, uh, to uh, uh, Joshua. And uh, as we've already seen, you might like just to put this down again. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 through to 10, we work through the uh, seven seas there, just sort of in an outline. And in that uh, chapter, uh, just remembering that uh, Joshua's come out of uh, Babylon captivity as a young, young man. And so the city being rebuilt, the temple being rebuilt, priesthood being reestablished, and uh, the golden lampstand lights beginning to shine. So there's that progression there. And we looked at the seven seas, Joshua condemned uh, by, uh, because of his unclean clothes, his filthy garments. Uh, then cleansed as the garments are taken away, then clothed uh, and given new garments, his crown with the mitre in this case, as we saw then his charge and then challenged and then commissioned. So just the seven seas and outline Joshua the high priest. Now in Joshua chapter 6 verses 9 through to 15 uh, we have a very important prophecy and uh, just by way of introduction, uh, it's one of those prophecies that are like a, a dual prophecy in other words, let me explain what I mean by that. A dual prophecy, uh, and most of the expositors see this, it's where a prophecy is spoken to someone, it's either to them or about somebody else. So it's like a dual prophecy, so it's either to or about someone else. And so, um, in verse 9 of chapter 6, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, So now we move a little bit more specifically me, into the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord came. Let me just, uh, uh, for your own notes, put down a couple of illustrations of this. So when it's a dual word, and, and, and this is just the principle of interpreting the word, and uh, it's not in every case, but where a word is spoken to somebody, but, but though it's spoken to somebody, it's spoken also about somebody, or somebody behind somebody. Uh, put down just Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Uh, remember when uh, after the fall and God came into the garden and he spoke to the serpent and he turned to the serpent and said, Cursed, you were cursed above all, all cattle upon your belly, you'll go the rest of your life and you'll eat dust. Now is God talking to the serpent or is he talking to the serpent behind the serpent? He's talking to the serpent. So God's not talking to the snakes. Is he? God's not talking to a snake. Though I do believe myself that the serpent uh, used the snake. I mean, later on, God used a donkey to rebuke a prophet. It was a woman donkey. Verse <laughs> 1 in the Bible speaking tongues was a woman donkey rebuking a man prophet, but you're not allowed to do that, okay? Uh, so, uh, 
the lesson. So, uh, yeah, so I always ask who was the biggest donkey in Balaam, the two-legged donkey or the four-legged one. <laughs> so I think God's got a good sense of humor. So I personally believe that the devil yeah, used, uh, the, the serpent used the serpent. So when God said the serpent, he's not just talking to a snake uh, and so forth. And uh, it is interesting when he said the serpent, you'll feed upon dust. Man was made from dust. And the serpent feeds upon dust, the old flesh. So uh, he's talking to the serpent, but he's talking to, but about someone else. So I, uh, number two in, uh, in Ezekiel somewhere, uh, when this is just a dual uh, speaking the word. So uh, he speaks to the king of Tyre, and he says to the king of Tyre, you are the anointed cherub, Ezekiel 28, I think it is, says to the king of Tyre, you are the anointed cherub, you were perfect in the day that you were created. You, uh, you uh, had the music in you, and he was the anointed cherub covering the throne. Certainly not an earthly king. So most expositors see that behind the king of Tyre, he's referring to the king of Tyre, the devil himself, who was the anointed cherub and fell. And then number three, just in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Uh, when, uh, when Jesus said to Peter and to the disciples, who, who do men say that I, the son of man, said Christ, the Son of the living God, Peter said, and then uh, immediately Jesus began to, uh, to talk about going to the cross, and so, uh, you know, uh, dear old Peter, bless his cotton socks, he just began to rebuke Peter, so I could just imagine, you know, a very strong word, and he just grabbed Jesus by the arm and said, in the name of Jesus, you're not going to any cross, I rebuke you, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's the same word used as rebuking demons, and so pretty strong that Peter starts to rebuke Jesus when he talks about going to the cross uh, because it was from the cross the church was going to be born. So what does Jesus do? He turns to Peter and he didn't say, as I used to say in Australia, bring a bucket and I want you to vomit the demon out. <laughs> and don't mess up the carpet on the way. Did you go through a stage like that up here? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anybody from Singapore side about that? Uh, Malaysia is much more sensible. Yes. But uh, we went to. Uh, yeah, actually, it's on the sideline. Somebody tried to cast a demon out of me, and I laughed so much that uh, they spread paper all over the floor. It just wouldn't come out. But so, you know, they felt I had a mischievous spirit that I needed to do this. I said, I need that to keep my sanity. So, how many are glad I'm not delivered from my mischievous spirit? <laughs> heard that this morning about the Lord's coming. Okay, so uh, yeah, what did I say all that for? Yes, that Jesus turned to Peter and he said to Peter, get behind me Satan. Now is he calling Peter Satan or behind Peter was a satanic thought. Uh, so behind the person. So in a dual word like this, it's either to somebody or about somebody. So those may be spoken to somebody, speaking to somebody behind that. So that's what we're looking at this morning. Okay. Now let's go down to um, uh, to Zechariah chapter chapter uh, six here, and I'm going to work through it. And I've just put 14 lines there, and I'm going to give you a, a scripture. So what I'm saying here is that in talking to Joshua, he's actually talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's one of those Old Testament prophecies talking to Joshua, and yet he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, as the, the language uh, clearly shows. All right, so uh, Zechariah chapter 6, I'll tell you when 1, 2, 3, and just uh, thought this was the best way to handle this, because it's such an important prophecy. All right, number, number uh, or verse 10. 
So the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Take of them of the, of, of the captivity, or receive the gift from the captive. So I've got old King James and new King James out of the two columns. So receive the gift uh, from the captives, from Haldai, Tobijah, Jediah, who had come from Babylon. So apparently some people, more coming from Babylon, uh, of the remnant there, that returned to Jerusalem, uh, who had come from Babylon, and go the same day and enter the house of Josiah, the son of Je uh, Zephaniah. Now take the silver and the gold, all right, number, number one here, uh, I'll read the next part. Take the silver and the gold, make an elaborate crown, or make crowns, uh, depending on your translation, make crown. Now, number one, you can put here silver and gold, and let me say where we're going here. What is going to happen now? Over here, Joshua is seen as a high priest. In this whole scene that we're going to be looking at here, is Joshua is made a king priest. Okay, so that's the thing we're headed for. So Joshua the high priest and Joshua the king priest. And I'll say this by way of anticipation. There was never a king priest in the Old Testament, only Melchizedek. So he is a prophetic word that's coming. All right, so number one, silver and gold. Silver always speaks of redemption. And gold speaks of royalty. So silver speaks of redemption, particularly priestly ministry, because... Uh, uh, they were redeemed with silver, they had to bring the half shekel. So, number one up here, I'll just say line by line here because there's a lot of thoughts here. So, number one, uh, silver and gold. So, silver, speaking of redemption or priestly ministry, and gold in the most holy place, everything was gold. Uh, in the Temple of Solomon, the gold floor, the golden ark, the golden cherubims, the golden mercy seat. The golden uh, pot that had the manna in it, everything's gold. So silver, gold. So redemption precedes glory. So silver, redemption, priestly, and gold, royalty, kingly. So take the silver and gold. Number two, I'm not just saying the thoughts here because I want to break this up. Number two, make elaborate crowns. Some translations have it in the plural. So it's like either one crown that's made of silver and gold, a blending, or crowns, a double crown. So, uh, and make crowns, make an elaborate crown. So number two, your, your thought there would be make elaborate crowns or crown. And then number three, it says, and set them upon the head of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest. So uh, Joshua, the high priest, is crowned with a kingly crown. That's what you want to pick up. So Joshua, as high priest, is made a king priest. Very unusual, because it was never done. All right, so the, uh, the uh, high priest here. Now, let's just go back a little bit here and see what happens. Now, way back under, under Moses, you'll find that uh, uh, before, before that, of course, you have Melchizedek, the only king priest. But once Moses comes along and the prophetic word goes over the different tribes, you'll find that the officers of king priests were never united. Anybody who tried to unite them in the Old Testament, they were struck with judgment and so forth. So God divided under Moses to two different tribes. So he divided to the tribe of Levi, I could put P.H., the priesthood, and then he divided to the tribe of Judah, kingship. So two different tribes, uh, the priesthood to Levi and the kingship uh, to Judah. All right, two different tribes. So those officers were never united. Let me just give you a couple of illustrations where a couple of guys tried to do it and God zapped them. Um, Saul, King Saul, 
he, he, he was of the tribe of Benjamin. Actually, he wasn't the kingly tribe. But he tried to offer the sacrifice. And when Samuel came and said, just wait uh, around here for seven days. And when Samuel didn't come on time, King Saul got into the sin of presumption. He said, look, I'm the king. And where's the prophet saying they're not going to wait for him to do any sacrifice? And so he started to offer the sacrifice, which was the minister of the priesthood. And when Samuel came and said, what have you done? He said, well, when you didn't get here in time, you're five minutes late. I just felt, well, the people are going to be scattered. So I just decided to be a king priest. And uh, Samuel said, you've lost the kingdom. All right. Another example you can think of is way down here. One of the kings. Um, Uzziah, in the time of, of Isaiah, that's right, Uzziah, he was the king of Judah, and he got into that sin of presumption, that pride of presumption again, and he came into the temple, and he said to the priest, I want to burn incense, and the priest, the high priest, and the rest of the priests, 80 of them, resisted him, said, look, you're a king, it's not your office to, uh, to be a priest, and he said, well, I'm the king, you submit or split, and so he burned incense, and, uh, and so uh, I think as Josephus tells us that as he was burning the incense, there was an earthquake. The, our Bible tells us there was an earthquake in the days of Uzziah. But Josephus says that as he was burning the incense, uh, there was an earthquake. And it split the temple uh, in the roof here just as a quake. And he was struck in the forehead. And we find that he was a leper till the day of his death. Why? Because of the sin of pride and presumption, trying to unite those two officers together. All right, so right to Levi the priesthood, due to the kingship. So God is doing something here now. I will say this. God did permit one other man to do it, and that was David. David was a king, and God permitted him because he was a shadow of the son of David. David uh, offered sacrifices, touched the Ark of the Covenant, all that, which was priestly ministry, because David was a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here we see the same pic uh, picture here. All right, so number three for your fill-in there. I have to keep moving here. So Joshua is made a king priest. So crown on the head of Joshua, Joshua the priest. All right, now number four, in verse 12 we're told, and speak unto him saying, so number four, what I want you to put down here, just the uh, thought, is he receives a prophetic word. So now put yourself in Joshua's position. He's been high priest. Now he's got this double crown. And uh, whatever he's thinking, the Lord has made me a king priest. I had the golden mitre over here as a priest, but now, uh, number three, I'm uh, just crowned as a king priest, and he gets this prophetic word. All right, now, I'll just break up the prophetic word, because now in talking to him, it's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, now, so you'll just have to go to number five, and speak unto him, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch. All right, number five, the man... Now, the, the, the prophetic word is coming to Joshua. Speak to him. So whatever it meant to Joshua, about, though it's spoken to me, it's not spoken about me. It's spoken to me, but it's not about me. So it's a messianic prophecy. So number five, just you fill in, the man whose name is the branch. Okay, this points to the Lord Jesus Christ, his incarnation. So the man whose name is the branch, we looked at that yesterday. We've already had a branch prophecy. And the man, whose name is the branch, pointing to his incarnation. Behold the man. All right? Next one, number, what are you up to? Six. Okay, you'll have to follow along with me. Number six, uh, it says, he shall grow up out of his place. Uh, in some translations, 
from his place he will branch out. Alright, so you can just put your next one there. Four, five, I've got asterisk four, five, six, okay. Branch out, branch out, or growing up, sprouting up. So like a, a rod shall come out of Jesse and a branch will grow out of his roots. That's the thought. So growth here, number six. Alright, number seven now, the next thing here, the prophecy is about. So keep in mind, though, I'm speaking to Joshua, I'm not speaking about him. I'm speaking to Joshua, but it's about someone else. All right, the next thing is, he shall build the temple of the Lord. And you notice it's used twice. Even he shall build the temple of the Lord. Now, in the, in the local natural setting there, the geographic historical setting, the temple is being rebuilt. The temple is getting into function. So who is this that's going to build the temple of the Lord? Is it a material temple? No, the issue is it's referring to the church, the temple of God. So prophecy concerning the man whose name is the branch. And if we identify the man uh, whose name is the branch as the Lord Jesus Christ, what temple is going to, uh, Jesus is going to build? Is he, is he going to build a, a material rebuilt temple? No, he's going to build the church. And the New Testament writers confirm that. So he will build the temple of the Lord. So he will branch out, he will grant the man whose name is the branch. And then uh, he uh, will build the temple or use twice. The next, the next point, number seven here, little statement. He shall bear the glory. Who? The, the man whose name is the branch. He shall bear the glory. This is in verse 13. And see unto him be glory in the church. So he will bear the glory. And then num number eight, another... Uh, uh, let's see, four, five, six, seven, eight, yeah, number nine. Is that right now? Uh, nine. Nine, everybody say nine, please. Nine. I've got it in an asterisk, and in my study last night, for you this morning, this is what I come up with. My wife, you know, she was out shopping, when the going gets tough, the tough goes shopping. <laughs> She didn't really buy anything. I said, you could have bought me a bottle of ginger beer or something like that. <laughs> okay, let's not get diverted and get in the flesh here. Okay, uh, number nine. And notice the emphasis on he. He will build the temple. He will branch. He will grow up. He will build the temple. He will bear the glory. All right, number nine. He shall, listen to the language, he shall sit and rule upon his throne. Okay, so a priest upon the throne ruling. So number nine, he shall sit. And we can think, you know, if we had that type of time, we could spend our whole session on this. But when, uh, when uh, Jesus ascended up on high, the Father said, Sit on my right hand until all your enemies shall be made your foot, foot soon. He said, Sit on my right hand. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So those type of scriptures and prophecies would fit in here. So all right, number nine, he shall sit and rule on his throne as a king. And then uh, uh, the next part here, number 10, he shall be a priest upon his throne. So again, the same thought, a priest upon the throne. Now, it all concerns the man whose name is the branch. He will uh, branch out. He will build the temple. Lord. He will bear the glory. He will sit and rule on his throne. He shall be a priest on the throne. All right, so uh, that's number... <laughs> Number 10, okay, thank you, because I've got to ask you. He, he shall be a priest on his throne. So, in other words, a king-priest. Now, 
You might like to put this down. This is the order of Melchizedek. Because the only one who was ever a king priest was Melchizedek, Moses. Moses is called a king and a priest. David is a king and priest. He touches something there. And then the Lord Jesus Christ, king priest after the order of Melchizedek. And just to add to it now, because we are the temple of the Lord, you and I in the church, we are called to be kings and priests. So I'm looking at the order of Melchizedek, not the order of Aaron, which the book of Hebrews deals with, but the order of Melchizedek. So king and priest, uh, everybody a king and priest. And you know, for those who you know, want to develop some of these things, uh, hopefully here, well, how much, how much teaching do we give people on fulfilling their priestly ministry? You know, one of the great truths of the Reformation and uh, under the uh, Martin Luther and the Reformers there was the priesthood of all believers. And one of the dangers I think we have to watch in our whole Pentecostal charismatic world and our believing of the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, uh, one of the dangers is that the fivefold ministry can actually become, uh, please take it kindly, actually become a Protestant form of Romanism. And we usurp the, 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 the priesthood of all the believers. So what's the difference between us and Romanism if we do that? So our job as apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, and so forth, is to bring the, uh, bring the saints into the work of their ministry, not us do the ministry for them. So bring them into the work of the ministry. If we fail to do that, we actually fail. Okay, so that, that's our job. So have to watch those things. So uh, order of pre, uh, king, priest. And also, how much teaching is on being a king, on kingly ministry? So they're a whole subject in itself. Okay. What is the priestly ministry of a believer? What is the kingly ministry of a believer? Okay? So that, that's a whole whole uh, thing in itself there, right? So uh, priest on his throne, king, priest, order of Melchizedek. And then the last thing I've got here... Well, almost. Number 11. Uh, it says here, the council of peace will be, be, be between them both. I don't know whether it's the NIV or, or um, another translation. Where it says, the council of peace. Has anybody got NIV? Does it say anything different there? The harmony between the two. Good. The harmony between the two. One of the translations I've read, I've got 26 of them, that the council of peace that there would be a harmony between the two offices, between the office of king and office of priest. So the council of peace uh, would be between both of them. In other words, both these offices would be reconciled now in this man whose name is the branch. Does that make sense to everybody? So the council of peace will be between them both, between both offices, there would be a harmony. Whereas there's never been a harmony back here. The priesthood and the kingship, uh, always. So uh, anyone to try and unite those offices. So here, in this person, the man whose name is the branch, uh, there would be harmony between both offices. In other words, the order of Melchizedek. Alright, now just uh, verse 14. And the crowns... Uh, where are you up to on your, on your numbers here? Twelve. Twelve, okay. Uh, the crowns shall be to Hallam and to, uh, to Bajir and to Jedi to him the son of Zephaniah for a memorial in the temple. So Number 12, you can put that down. The crowns were to be kept as a memorial in the temple. So anybody who would see those crowns you know, in ministry say, okay, what do those crowns represent? Okay, they, 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 those crowns are there 
for someone who's going to be, or for the man whose name is the branch. And when the man whose name is the branch comes, he's going to be crowned with the uh, silver and gold. So he's going to be a king priest. So they were kept as a memorial in the temple and pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ and some of the good old hymns we used to sing, crowning with many crowns, the Lamb upon the throne. So uh, Jesus Christ. So crowns kept in the temple, number 12. Now listen to verse 15, a couple of other thoughts here. And they that are afar off, even those from afar, um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, um, hold that and let me turn it. Put, let, let me turn over to Ephesians chapter 2, I think these Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, yeah, Ephesians chapter 2, yeah. Uh, put down Ephesians chapter 2 and verse, verse uh, 17. I'll read a few verses here. Let me make the statement first because, as I said, you know, we so surface read the word many times and miss these little things. What I found in both Old and New Testament is this, that when God spoke of Israel, his chosen people, they were always spoken of as a people that were near to God. But Gentiles were always spoken of, of those that are far off. So th these two terms you'll find in the Old Testament, New Testament. And so listen to how Paul, who's a Pharisee, saturated with the word. So he says, um, um, oh, verse 14, For he is our peace who made both one, and have broken down the middle wall of petition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, but making himself of two, one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you who were afar off. That's it. See, afar off to you who were afar off. That's the Gentiles. So link it up there. And they that are far off, or those that are far, uh, even those from afar, that's referring to the Gentiles. They shall come and build in the temple of the Lord. So, so that's uh, then verse 17 of Ephesians again. And came and preached peace to, uh, to you which were far off, the Gentiles, and to them that were near, the Jew. See, so a far off and near, two groups of people. Those are far off from God, the Gentiles, those who are near to God, old covenant Israel. So that's what we're listening, uh, looking at here. So back to Zechariah 6. And they that are far off, referring to the coming of the Gentiles, shall come and build in the temple of the Lord. So not only is the Lord going to build the temple, he's also going to have Jews and Gentiles building in the temple. So Paul says that you, you are the temple of God, you're no more strangers and foreigners, but you're joint heirs together of the, of the household of faith. And, uh, and uh, where am I looking at? That one there. Yeah, now therefore you're no more strangers and foreigners, still, still in Ephesians, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building, fitly framed together, grows to a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for a dwelling place, a habitation of God by the Spirit. So this is Old Testament prophecy. So those that are far off, including the ones that are near, will build in the temple of the Lord. And then uh, number 14, in the final statement here, uh, and you shall know that the Lord God of hosts has sent me unto you. And uh, here's the conditional prophecy. This will all come to pass, little word, if. If you will half-heartedly 
obey, obey the voice of the Lord. Now, if you would diligently obey the voice of the Lord. So the issue is obedience. All right, how many you think that's a tremendous prophecy there? So that's the picture. I'll ask you a question then. How many think that's a tremendous prophecy? Yes. All right, so just uh, follow down here. So these officers were never united in the Old Testament. They followed right through. But now the Lord picks out Joshua. And it's uh, interesting, just a side glance at there. Uh, two Joshua's in the Old Testament. Joshua is the captain of the Lord's host, led the people in the promised land. And now way down here, Joshua is the high priest. So Moses, who is a king priest, and the office is divided to two different tribes, Levi, Judah, never united, and now Joshua, uh, a proxy to him, but it's not about him. It's to him, but it's about somebody else, about the man whose name is the branch. In other words, a messianic prophecy. So how many see you know, how much God packs just in a few words uh, when we don't serve for them? All right, now put down, uh, in service, serve for them, that's it. Okay, uh, put down a couple of scriptures here and then we need to move on. Alright, so all this, Psalm 110, Psalm 110, we're not turning to it, Psalm 110, uh, the, um, uh, the Psalm of the Melchizedek priesthood, you are a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek, uh, sit on my right hand, and then Revelation, uh, uh, sorry, Hebrews chapter 7, Hebrews chapter 7, this Melchizedek who appeared to Abraham. So the only priesthood Abraham knew anything about was the Melchizedek priesthood, not the Aaronic priesthood. So if we be Christ, then are we Abraham's seed? And coming through the new covenant, we come back to the Abrahamic covenant, and we are brought back to the order of Melchizedek in Abraham. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. Revelation 1, 5 and 6. Uh, we have king priests unto God. Revelation 1, 5 and 6. And then Revelation 5, 9 and 10. Revelation 5, 9 and 10. Uh, the 24 elders, king, priests unto God. You have made us kings and priests unto God. And we will reign on the earth. And then one other scripture there. Uh, that was Revelation 5, 9 and 10. And then one other scripture. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 to 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 to 9. Where Peter writes and said... You are a holy priesthood and you are a royal priesthood. That's order of kings and priests. All right, so that's all we need to do on that chapter. But so much uh, in that uh, God's packed in a few verses. All right, now let's turn over to page 12. Oh, page 13, okay. Page 13. And we're just going to touch on the high spots now of uh, chapter 7 and chapter 8. So, chapter 7 and chapter 8. All right, now, I want to take these, uh, this is sort of the key word and what this cha uh, these chapters are about. So, I'm going to bind them, uh, sort of bring them together here. Is this uh, fast or feast? So, fast or feast. Now, uh, go to chapter 7 if you can in your Bible, and we'll try and condense this. Fast or feast? Now the word fast, as you'll see here, is used in chapter 7, verse 5 and 5. Have we fasted? What are we fasting for? And then uh, in chapter 8, verse 19, 
In fact, I'll read that because this is sort of sort of the key to the thing. Um, this is the uh, uh, key key sort of verse in these two chapters. They come to the uh, prophet and the priest, and then they ask him about fasting. In fact, I'll, I'll just backtrack a little bit here. All right, I'm reading chapter seven now in the fourth. A year of King Darius, and you notice the time element again, David, in the fourth year of King Darius, it came to uh, pass that the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, notice again the word of the Lord, on the fourth day of the ninth month. Most of these prophecies here are dated. When the people sent uh, all these guys with these funny names to the house of God to pray before the Lord, and to ask the priests who were in the house of the Lord, of, uh, house of the Lord of Moses, and the prophets, there are two words I've underlined, or I'm going to underline, okay? Uh, they were to ask the priests and the prophets. So Zechariah, Haggai, they're the main prophets at this time, and they're asking the priest Joshua. So what is the question? And they say, should I weep? Should I weep in the fifth month, separating myself as I've done these so many years? And uh, then in verse 4 again, Then came the word of the Lord of hosts unto me, to Zechariah the prophet, saying, Speak to all the people and to the priests, saying, When ye fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month, uh, even those seventy years. So you'll notice that over the period of the seventy years, uh, there was uh, a particular four, time, four months in which they had days of fasting. Now, let's go back to verse... Uh, uh, where is it? Chapter 8, verse 19. And this is, this is what I want you to pick up. I'm not going to spend too much time on this part, but I'll just give you the heart of the message. So in verse, uh, verse 18 and 19 of chapter 8. And the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, The fast, now I've got it here, the fast of the fourth month, and the fast of the fifth month, and the fast of the seventh month, and the fast of the tenth month shall be to the house of the joy and gladness and cheerful feasts. Therefore, love the truth and peace. Okay, now let me say what has happened in the 70 years, and that's what they're asking. Look, during the 70 years Babylon captivity, we had these 4th, 5th, 7th, and 10th months where we had a time of fasting. Now the Babylon captivity is ended. Now we're coming back and there's restoration. Do we need to keep these fasts or not? And of course the prophets, you know, like the Lord's telling us, say, well in those 70 years when you did fast, were you really fasting to me or was your fast a farce? And actually their fasts were a farce. And that's what the Lord says. Speak unto the children of Israel, <laughs> speak unto all the people of the land and to the priests, saying, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month, even those 70 years, did you really fast for me? For me? When you eat and when you drink, do you not eat and drink for yourselves? Shouldn't you not have obeyed the words which the Lord can proclaim through the former prophets? When Jerusalem and the cities of Israel were inhabited and prosperous, and the south and the lower land were inhabited. So it's just a whole rebuke. I mean, your fasts were just a fast. You really didn't fast the Lord. You're just doing it for yourself, purely a selfish motive. And, you know, I found that... Um, you know, people I've known that have fasted 40 years. In fact, my brother-in-law, uh, he fasted 40 days and put on weight. <laughs> but he had a very spreading personality, uh, Alex. <laughs> That's a nice way of saying it. See? And, uh, and I've known people who fasted 40 days, 21 days even, to get the gifts of the Holy Spirit out of God. And they came out of the fast worse than they ever went in. All they did, they, they lost weight. Because you see, what was their motive? 
what was their motive in fasting? And, and, and you'll notice again this expression, should you not hear the word which the Lord had cried by the former prophets? I want to refer to one of those former prophets. Alright, so now, let's just put this down here because I said I don't want to spend too much time on this, but this is what these two chapters are about, the fast. So, alright, number one here, the fast of the fourth month, I'll give you one scripture and state what it was. This fast was for the breaking up of the walls of Jerusalem. So, the fast of the fourth month was the fast for the breaking up of the walls of Jerusalem. When Nebuchadnezzar and his army came up and surrounded the walls, and they broke through the walls of Jerusalem, they, made, they proclaimed that as a, a fast day. Jeremiah chapter 52 and verse 6. Jeremiah chapter 52 and verse 6. Then, uh, so that's the fast of the fourth month. So apparently in Babylonian captivity, uh, they would fast on that day. Well, this is the day the walls were broken into uh, by uh, Nebuchadnezzar and his army. All right, number two, the fast of the fifth month. This was the fast for the day when the temple was burned. So the first fast is for the breaking down of the walls, the breaking up the walls of Jerusalem, so the walls that protected the city. The fast of the fifth month is for the burning of the temple, and this is in Jeremiah 52, verses 12 to 13. So when the Babylonians broke into the temple and burned down the temple, they fasted on that. That was the fifth month, about four weeks later. So Jeremiah 52, verses 12 to 13. All right, number three, the fast of the seventh month, you will find was the fast for the killing of Gedaliah, who was the governor of the remnant. So let me say that again. Am I going too fast? <laughs> yes, Kevin. I was born in a hurry, I tell you that. <laughs> okay, the seventh month, this was the fast for the killing of Gedaliah. G-E-D-A-L-I-A-H. Gedaliah. He was the governor of the remnant. And just briefly what happened here, uh, once the majority of the people and the talented people were taken to Babylon captivity, uh, uh, one of the Babylonian uh, guys, forget his name, he, he left Gedaliah in charge of the remnant. And they were just the poor of the land, and I mean, they were just a bad lot. They came to Jeremiah and said, Jeremiah, we want you to get the word of the Lord, should we go down to Egypt, uh, you know, so that they don't take us off to Babylon. And uh, Jeremiah waited so many days where the Lord came and said, don't go to Egypt. So what did these guys do? They, they said, well, we're not going to listen to the Lord, word of the Lord. In fact, even though you've told us not to go to Egypt, we're going to go to Egypt and we're going to kidnap you. So they kidnapped Jeremiah against his own prophecy and took him to Egypt. So on the way down, just to give him a nice company word, he said, all you guys who go to Egypt, you're going to drop dead. Okay? And there'll just be a remnant of the remnant. Anyway, that's the faster that scriptures for that. Second Kings 25. 2 Kings 25, 25. You'd have to read the surrounding passage. 2 Kings 25, 25. And Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 41, verses 1 through to 10. Jeremiah 41, verses 1 through to 10. And then, uh, so that's the fast of the seventh month. And number four, the tenth month, the fast of the tenth month, was the fast for the beginning of the siege of Jerusalem. I've just put them in this order uh, for, for just our notes here. So the fast for the beginning of the siege of Jerusalem. 
Because Jeremiah said, Jerusalem's going to be destroyed, the temple's going to be destroyed, everything like that. So, well, we're going to fast and pray to God. And God had already said to Jeremiah, don't waste your time praying for them. So the fast for the beginning of the siege of Jerusalem, 2 Kings chapter 25. 2 Kings chapter 25 and verses 1 and 2. 2 Kings 25 verse 1 and 2. So the question that they're coming to the priests and the prophets were was to whether these fasts should continue now that the remnant had, had, had returned and the walls, the temple, and the city were being restored and uh, rebuilt. And so they inquired through the priests and the prophets. You'll notice that Zechariah's pro prophecy is to the priests. He's speaking as a prophet as well as to the people. All right, I think it's time to take a break. I just need to add a few more thoughts on this. Uh, before we move on. Okay, let's take 10 minutes break. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching. Visit kevinconnor.org for more information.